Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Get really good at analyzing income statements. Be excellent at that because the income statements, they tell you the story of what's going on. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes a free service. Here comes a free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714 I interviewed her about her best ever advice, talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you got 500 units or even a handful of units, go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. They're going to give you a free 30-minute goal strategy session. They'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free, mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Again, if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you. mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluff with us today. Omar Ruiz, how you doing, Omar? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing great. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Omar. He is the co-founder of LaRue Investments LLC, which is a private for-profit real estate investment company. He has been in private practice for more than 10 years and is a real estate investor, property, and asset manager. He is based in Orange County, California, 
And with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background, Omar, and your current focus? Well, I actually started back in the beginning, not in investing, but on the property management side of things. And now just strictly focusing on larger multifamily and apartments. Okay, cool. So you started out in management and now you're focused on multifamily. What's the last multifamily project that you closed on? The last one we did was a property here in Indianapolis. It's a 77 unit here. And you said here, are you in Orange County or are you in Indianapolis? I'm actually in Indianapolis. <laughs> I've been here for the last week just uh, supervising things and was actually all day today driving around, scouting out the competition and just getting information on what they have going on and what their rent rates are and just trying to be as familiar and clear on the local market here as I can. And when did you close on it? How long ago? This closed back in end of March of 2016. March 2016, so a little over a year ago. Yeah. How much you buy it for and what is the business plan? This was a little over a $2 million purchase price. And the plan here is to do some light rehab on the existing units. There was a couple of value-add situations. First off was that the seller, he was paying for the electricity for a certain percentage of the units here, and he didn't have to do that. So there was that, and then there was a fair amount of units that were just slightly below market. So what we've been doing over here is having the tenants transfer the electricity back over into their names and then bringing the remaining of the units up to market. So the property wasn't master metered electric. The owner just decided that they were going to pay the electric? Correct. The story that I got is that when he was leasing it up, some of the prospects, I guess, would mention that if they put it under their name, that they would have to come out with, I guess, a, a hefty security deposit with the utility company. And so because the seller, he already had history with them. So he said, I'll tell you what, I'll keep it under my name and I'm going to charge you an extra 60 bucks a month for the utility. And they were agreeable with that. So they worked it out like that. What I discovered during the due diligence period, and he didn't even know this, when I was reviewing all the utility bills, and I was able to isolate which ones were for the specific units. Some of those units where he was paying the utility bill, it was coming out to 100 and I think the most expensive was $120. So he was only charging back 60 bucks. So it wound up being a, a bad deal for him because the tenants were clearly not monitoring their use. And he actually didn't even realize that. And so he looked at the bills himself and realized what was going on. And so that's how that came about. You bought it for $2 million. How much in total do you think you'll put into it? And then what do you think it will be worth after that is done? Well, I know right now, just from what the properties are currently selling, it's already a pretty fair amount. What we put into it so far right now, we've probably put into it already maybe about 40000 to it already. And we're just going to continue doing light modifications, put new appliances, which is not too much, and then just maintaining the existing tenants that are here and just taking care of their maintenance needs 
We have been doing a little bit of a upgrade on some of the units. It just kind of varies because some of the units here are, some of them are a little bit older. So if we were to just completely do a whole rehab on it, it would be quite pricey. And for the market, it's not necessarily to go overboard. And that's, I think, where some investors, they can hurt themselves is if they try to over rehab beyond what the market expects. Mm-hmm. And what we have right now works for the market. All we need to do is just do like those little things that kind of catch your eyes, those little nicer handles. We are doing on some of the flooring, we are putting some of this, like a, a vinyl with a wood kind of a texture to it, wood feel to it, which is a little, quite a bit more durable. I've seen that used quite a bit more. And the ceiling fans, where you were putting little nicer ceiling fans, which ceiling fans, it's not a big ticket item, but when you see them, it does visually make an impact and handles on cabinetry and those kind of things. Mm. How do you know which renovations you should do and which ones you shouldn't do? I mean, you're based in Orange County. I look at what other comparable properties are doing, and that kind of clues me in. And if I do want to be a lot more aggressively competitive, well, you know, I can definitely put more into the units, but then it becomes a little bit foggy to see how high you can really kick the rents there. But really it just comes down to what the market and what other local properties are doing. I was mentioning before I was all day today, I've been looking at other apartments. I probably visited, oh my God, I got a stack of brochures and information and again to inside of the people's units. And, and obviously I don't tell them that I'm the owner of the apartment. I tell them I'm looking to move. I'm looking for a place to move into, ask them to give me a tour of the uh, units, and then I can get inside and then I can get an idea, okay, how do my kitchens compare to their kitchens? How does my closet space compare to their closet space? Because closet space is something that I try to be very conscious of. Mm-hmm. And the bathrooms, how do their bathrooms compare to our bathrooms? And those sort of things. And then if I can see kind of where we stand compared to them, then if our pricing is right, then I'll feel pretty good about it. If there's things that they're offering that we're not offering, then I might have to take a look at things, you know, and it just all depends where their rents are. Obviously, if the rents are higher and ours are lower, then we're probably okay. But if it's the other way around, then we might have to make an adjustment. In fact, I just got back and I was in an area where I was actually kind of surprised because their rents were higher than our rents. But they didn't have air conditioning, so a tenant would have to bring their air conditioner. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I had not seen that anywhere before. <laughs> so with your experience, you said you started in property management. Now you're focused on buying larger apartment projects. You've got the 77 unit. You're in Indianapolis as we speak, touring the competition. You just talked through what you look for from a comparison standpoint. When you go there and you have already acquired the property, do you do anything else from a local market standpoint? Do you tour local businesses or do you just go eat at a local diner and talk to people about the market? Or is that just prior to acquiring the property that you would do that if you do it all? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that just reminded me. I remember when I was down here, uh, one of my first visits here, I actually ate at Bob Evans' restaurant. I went in had breakfast in there, and I was talking to the waitress girl. She was a student, and 
I was actually asking her. She was giving me some info about where she lived and what she was paying. And I told her, yeah, I'm looking at some of these places over here, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, she would tell me, oh, you know, stay away from this area or stay away from that area. And interesting enough, because she was a student at the college, she kind of gave me some information about the college as well that I thought was really interesting just from a market standpoint. Down here in this area, there's quite a few universities out here. And so education is very important out here. So if you're close to a university or a school, that's really good. You're going to have a good demand for your units. But what I like to do actually is instead of using the map on my phone or like Google Maps or something digital there, I'll actually go to a gas station and I'll pick up a regular map of the city, a printed map. And then what I do is go as much as I can throughout town and make notes on that map. Because when I'm driving around the area and I just use my phone, if I see an area that, okay, this looks interesting here, or when I come back and I try to recall that moment, it's not that easy. Yeah. But when I have that paper map there and I actually make notations on there, I'll say, okay, this area is bad. And I'll put like pinpoints and circles of properties that I looked at, put the name of it. And then I can see, okay, this property was there. This is what I remember about it. And then certain areas that are just bad, I'll try to kind of circle around the area. And that's been very helpful for me. Done that in Texas and done that over here as well. I was going to ask you how you make notes or rather what you make note of, but you're already on top of things. You answered it before I could even ask it. So you identify the areas that are, when you say bad, what qualifies as bad whenever you're driving through the area? Okay. I try to look at things that give you an indication that's a lower income area. One sign is, is I'm not trying to be mean about it to anybody, or, but if I see signs that say a EBT here or that kind of stuff, if I see um, boarded up housing, that's not a good sign. And also, by the types of vehicles that you see parked in uh, certain areas, that gives you an indication that it's probably a depressed area. I remember one of my previous trips, I went to go see a property, and I remember driving around the area. The property itself seemed marginal and that it could have been like a good value-add situation, but then when I started driving around the neighborhood, and I just saw just a proliferation of just boarded-up houses, just one after another on the same street, and you go around the next street and there's more and more of that. And that just clearly told me that, okay, this is going to be a very management intensive area. It's probably going to be high crime. It's probably going to be drugs. A good tenant is not going to want to move into this particular building. So those are the kind of things that would help somebody have an idea of whether the area is good or bad. Now, on the other end of the spectrum here, one of the trends that I've been noticing, many different areas, this kind of urban type of lifestyle where people try to live close to places that they can walk to. So people can walk to a Starbucks or walk to a little market or walk to a little convenience store or walk to their whatever retail place. That's very desirable. And like I was mentioning before, that apartment complex, that their rents were higher than mine, but they weren't offering the air conditioner. Well, they just happened to be in that same type of neighborhood 
where the Starbucks was a block or two down and they had a little market up the road. So it had that desirability to it. So that's why they're charging more, obviously. On that map where I make the notes, that's where I try to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And for a best ever listener who's listening and they want to have the eye that you have when you look at these markets, you started in property management, so you've got years of experience doing this. But for a listener who has some experience, but not as many years, but wants to get to the level of expertise that you're at from a evaluation standpoint, what would be a waste of their time to spend doing that you think perhaps they would think to spend time doing to get to where you're at? If I'm understanding the question correctly, is it how can they speed up their learning curve? Is that... You said it so much more succinctly than I did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One of the things that I do like doing now is I use the census website a lot. When I'm looking at deals, I look at the income statistics for a certain area. And I use a very methodical way of doing it, but just to kind of give you the Cliff Notes version of it, if the majority percentage of incomes are on the low end of the scale, then that right there tells you that it's going to be lower income area, high crime, management intensive. And Joe, not to say that that might be a bad deal. There's some people that they target those kind of properties in those areas and they probably do very well, but you have to have the right team in place. You have to have the right type of manager, and the right team around that manager to make those types of deals work out. But using the census website or just looking at income statistics, the income demographics is going to tell you right away, okay, what type of people are living there? And that'll definitely be a people's learning curve there. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh, my best advice ever is to get really, really good at analyzing profit and loss statements or income statements. Be excellent at that because the income statements, they tell you the story of what's going on. Robert Kiyosaki used to say that. The income statement tells you the story of how the business is operating. You just got a property and loss statement in front of you. You're looking at it for the first time. Walk us through what you look for. Okay. One of the first things I try to pinpoint when I'm analyzing a deal is to get a reasonable estimate of what the taxes will be after the sale. Because the taxes are one of the most, in my opinion, one of the more challenging things to accurately pinpoint, especially when you're in different areas that treat taxes differently. But once you figure out, you have a reasonable estimation of what that tax number is, and I tend to be conservative on my numbers. So I tend to put the taxes, give them a little bit of a bump because I don't want to get in trouble and underestimate the taxes. The thing is, is that you can analyze the utilities, the maintenance, contract services and all that stuff and finally get to that. But then when you come back and you try to figure out your taxes and your taxes are going to be one of your biggest expenses and that right there can just mess up your whole deal. So I try to get that being the hardest thing just out of the way. And once I know that, okay, great. Now I can look at some of the other things that I have a little bit more control on. So beyond the taxes, then, I try to look at some of the variable expenses. In fact, I mentioned utilities. That's something that 
you want to be conscious of dependent on the seasons. Like for instance, in California, we don't worry too much in the wintertime because we don't really have winters in California. But out here in Indianapolis, we do have winters out here. So if somebody was trying to get me a, do an analysis based on just six months of income statements, okay, I might get the wrong six months. So that expense is not going to be accurate on there. So I've seen some brokers try to get away with that kind of stuff. So be very conscious of that, especially if you're going out of state. Out there in Texas, we don't have the winters also, so it's not a factor out there also. So that's something to keep in mind, those utilities. Your payroll also, you want to make sure you have the property adequately staffed. So that's important to keep an eye on. One of the things that I also sometimes have noticed is when there's gaps in the P&L. Like coming back to utilities, for example. If I see that the payments have been steady over several months, and then there won't be a payment in a certain month, and then it continues on, and then there's a gap on another month down the line, that kind of makes me wonder, why was there a gap there? Were they not able to pay the bill that month? Or did they just not get the bill on time or something like that? Those are kind of things that sometimes raise a little flag for me. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Best ever lightning round? Um, I guess I'll have to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener, and guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue, and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellin.com dot com forward slash show that's d w e l l y n n dot com forward slash show best ever book you've read it would be the abc's of real estate investing by ken mcelroy best ever deal you've done best ever deal i've done it was a 32 unit down in houston texas what's the mistake you've made on a transaction well that's a great question it was early on not getting the bank statements to verify deposits. Mm, I made that mistake too. It's a tough one. Yeah, you know what I mean, right? (laughs) Yep, yep. So now you make sure the bank statements line up with the money that they've shown is coming in. That way you can verify it. Yes, absolutely. Now I have come into instances where the seller, they have various complexes, apartments, and so I wouldn't suggest people do this because your accounting is going to be a mess. But what he did, he was just funneling all the income into one account. So he had a property here, putting money into this fund, another property there. And so he wasn't able to isolate deposits. So I still went forward with that deal, but that left me a little bit uneasy. Best ever way you like to give back? 
I do host cash flow games, and I actually like educating people and letting them know how they can get involved in real estate, too. I come across a lot of people that they want to get involved and they just don't know how to go about doing it. And then I get asked questions all the time at the cash flow games. So it always feels good to know that there's other people getting involved and, and making things happen for themselves. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you, Omar? They can go to my website, larueinvestments.com. LaRue is spelled L-E-R-U and then investments with an S at the end.com. Excellent. And that is also in the show notes page. The link is. So best of listeners, you can go check that out. Omar, thanks for being on the show. We really spent a lot of time on the 77, well, not even 77 unit, but really the approach that you take when looking at markets and shopping the competition, looking at the kitchens, the closet space, the bathrooms, how you're comparing and contrasting we did talk about the business model with your 77 unit and the purchase price, etc. But we did more macro level stuff that can be applied in a practical way for best ever listeners who are doing the due diligence on properties. And I love the couple examples, get the map at the gas station and actually write notes on the map. I'm sure there's some millennials listening like, just use an app. I got an app. It's a perfect app, blah, blah, blah. Well, it might be perfect for you, but other people like myself, it wouldn't be. I'd rather have a printed map and actually write on the map. I like that visualization right there. I'm an old soul. And then also being excellent at analyzing the P&L statements. They tell you the story, some specific things that you look at, the seasonality of the expenses and the taxes you said the payroll, make sure it's staffed properly and what that would cost and the gaps because that would really tell a story if there are gaps in between. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, Omar, and we'll talk to you soon. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Joe. Take care. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dot com forward slash show.